I just felt like I had something from the Lord uh, in the prayer room. We were praying. It was so powerful because it's Pentecost Sunday. Isn't that great? And I saw, this is what I saw, and, um, and I just want you to stand up for this, okay? I saw um, Boaz standing at the gate to redeem Ruth. And I saw the ten elders of that city standing there. And I saw Boaz setting every one of them down, redeeming. He was there to redeem Ruth. And I believe that's what Pentecost Sunday really is about. And I say that today that those represented the Ten Commandments. That we now have been redeemed not to live a life by the law. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. No longer to live by the law, but by the Spirit. And that is what Pentecost Sunday is all about. So I wanted us to receive that today because the enemy is constantly trying to draw us to live by the law again. And I'm going to tell you that Jesus, through the power of the cross and the Holy Spirit, has set every one of those men down. We are no longer to be ruled by the law, but by grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you want that this morning to get really free from that thing that keeps trying to come back? And we just say yes and amen today, Lord, for what you've done for us on the cross, what you've done through the power of the Spirit, that you set every one of those men down and you looked at each and every one and you said, redeemed, 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 redeemed. And it's all by the work of the cross. We just are here to celebrate. When we come to the house of the Lord, we're here to play. We're here to play. Did you hear that? We're here to play, be celebrate and live in freedom because God has set us free from the law of sin and death. He has done it. It is a done deed and we no longer, let's just celebrate. We're here to celebrate Pentecost. That is what he's done for me and that is what he's done for you you and we just say thank you lord thank you lord so here's something so so cool today is pentecost which is just greek for weeks 50 and this is also shavuot this is the jewish holiday of the giving of the law is that awesome is that awesome and when the law was given 3,000 people died that day and when the spirit was given because that's what they were celebrating up there it was not Pentecost. They were celebrating Shavuot, okay, which is just the same name in Greek and Hebrew. And that's when the Spirit came. And ironically, 3,000 people were saved because the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. So this is Pentecost Sunday. Amen. And thank you, Becky and Dean, for, for that. So, in light of it being Pentecost Sunday, you know, uh, well, I think today is a day to honor what the Lord did. Because the reason we celebrate Pentecost is that was when God gave the Holy Spirit. And it was the day the church was born. So, a lot of people think that Pentecost is about being Pentecostal. 
Seriously, as people think that, it's not true. All Christians should be celebrating Pentecost. Okay, it's for everybody, not just a, a particular stream in the body of Christ. Although we, you know, we definitely identify as being Pentecostal roots at least. But, you know, Pentecost is for every, every believer, every stream. Every, if a person calls on the name of the Lord, so we all should be celebrating, celebrating this. Amen? So, I'm going to read this. Let me read this verse here. Uh, this is Peter's one, one sentence out of his message that he gave on the first Pentecost, uh, the first celebration for us. It says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's two things that God did on Pentecost for the church. Is Well, there's many things He did, but He gave us two amazing gifts. You know, like when a baby's born, people, you have sh- wedding or baby showers, right? And people bring gifts to give for the baby. And well, that's really what the Lord did on that day. He gave us the gift. He gave us two amazing gifts. First, He gave us the gift of forgiveness. Okay, and then the second thing, he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. Um, one of the reasons uh, I was thinking about forgiveness a lot lately was, you know, when we were in Israel, uh, we went to the Holocaust Museum, uh, which is absolutely the most amazing place ever. But it's also, the, uh, it will just destroy you emotionally in there. And the, when you begin to see what happened, uh, it would just tear you up that we human beings can be so cruel and ruthless and evil. Uh, and that many people, one of the first videos uh, I saw from Nazi Germany was a parade with Hitler and how the people were just swooning over him, children. Uh, and women, and you know, like that sort of was a thing as they were all just led into this deception. And then you, you go and see what they begin to do. Uh, one evil after the other evil. I mean, it was just like, how could anybody do that? That's, and the more I looked at it, the matter I got. <laughs> Honestly, I was ready to get the Germans. <laughs> That's what, I'm going to kill them, Lord. This is, somebody's paying for this. And... Uh, well, obviously, that's not the right response. But here's what the Holy Spirit told me. He said, without forgiveness, this will repeat itself over and over and over and over. Repentance and truth. If, if, if the world doesn't have truth and if the world doesn't have repentance, it's just going to continue. This thing is going to continue. And it really continues. Maybe not on that scale, but it really continues. And that's why forgiveness was such a gift from the Lord because without, it's just foundational to our lives is, is, is walking in forgiveness. One is, is being able to receive the forgiveness of the Lord and allowing yourself to be forgiven. Okay? And I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life when I, had a, I even struggled to, to forgive myself in the sense of not allowing what God had done for me through the blood of Christ to, to really have its effect on me. But also being there to forgive others. You can't live on this planet without forgiving. And that, I think that's the beauty of that whole Holocaust Museum is, 
is a being able to look at a nation of people and forgive them from your heart. Forgive them for one of the most evil things. And so I wanted to read this verse out of Acts, no, out of Isaiah 53, 5. It says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed. Isn't that a, a beautiful verse? And so what forgiveness does really, uh, if you think about Forgiveness really releases peace into your life. That's what it really does. Without forgiveness, you're not going to be at peace. You're not going to be able to walk in peace. You're not going to really have the peace of God working inside of you. And because you don't, because we don't forgive, many times we get into bitterness or, or, or we get into trouble in our lives because there's a turmoil around us all the time. And the only way to deal with the turmoil around you is to have this inward peace where you can release that peace into your world, into your environment. Are y'all following that? And that's why peace is critical. That's why it's critical for our mental health and our emotional health. It's not just critical for us spiritually, but forgiveness has a big, huge impact on people's emotions. There's many people who are on medication today, and if you really could get back to one of the roots of the thing is, is because they have this unforgiveness operating in them. Deep down inside of them, they refuse to forgive somebody for what they did. And I think everybody in this room is probably has dealt with forgiveness at some point in your life. If you haven't, you haven't lived, you're going to have to forgive somebody. Somebody's going to betray you. Somebody's going to wound you, and somebody's going to hurt you. Somebody's going to say things to you that's, that hurts you deeply. And what we had to learn how to do, and many people even struggle, they feel like God wounds them, and God has hurt them. And there's this, even this thing where you, you have to let God off the hook. And that's what forgiveness really is. It's letting that person off your hook that you've placed them on. That they owe you something. You hear what I'm saying to you? That they owe you something. They, just, you, they did something bad and they owe you something to make it right. Now I know it can be very deep, but, but here's the key. Here's the really amazing key. Because I, I had to work, there was a season in my life where I, I just felt like I was getting killed by people. You know, and I was getting really hurt by them. And I was, I'm, like I felt that day, I'm sort of a retaliatory person. I'm a fighter. You know, I grew up, you know, in a world where you, it was like the, the way you dealt with your issues was you fought it. You know, <laughs> that's what you did. You fought your way through life. That's not a good way to live, but that's how I lived as a young person. So as a believer, that was my natural inclination. And I had to learn how to forgive. And I had to learn how to forgive people that I did not want to forgive. Okay, and keep forgiving them. But here was the big, the one key that I discovered about forgiveness is the fact that God had forgiven me. And because he had forgiven me, I have forgiveness inside of me. And I can take that forgiveness that he has put in me and I can offer it to other people. It's not based on a feeling. It's not based on an emotion. It's based on what God has done for us, that God in Christ has forgiven us. And on the day of Pentecost, he released that forgiveness to the world, to the whole world. And all he asked for people is is for people, he said, repent, which literally means change what you're thinking, change the way you're thinking and you'll change the way you're acting, and turn to me and say yes to me. And allow me to begin to work in your life and work through these issues in your life of unforgiveness. Okay, and sometimes I realize, I get there's a process involved with this 
You know, there really is a process involved with forgiveness. But I'll just tell you guys, really, you know, if we're going to be healthy people, we need to be forgiving people. We really do. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to examine our heart on a regular basis to see if there's unforgiveness that has crept into our hearts and is beginning to affect our outlook on life, beginning to affect what we're doing. Because many times you can, have, you can begin to hold grudges without being conscious of it and, and expecting some payback. So let's, I just want to take a minute and let's just, I want to just pray for us. Uh, you know, forgiveness is something we will never, ever grow out of. It's something we will never get away from. So, uh, Holy Spirit, you're the convictor. And so I'm, we're just asking you to reveal if there's things in our hearts and our lives that are coming from the root of unforgiveness. If we, if we have grudges, if we're jealous, Lord, if we're envious, if we look at people with an evil eye, if we look at people and think they don't deserve something that they, that they have, I just ask you right now to bring your convicting power to us. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that we would be able to see the things that are hindering us and the things that are disabling us. Lord, just release that right now. And thank you, Lord, for your blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for your blood that has forgiven us for all our uh, misdeeds and our unjust actions today. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's the, the one thing, the, the first gift of Pentecost. Isn't that a beautiful gift, though, is forgiveness? It's just amazing. Um, you know, I could talk a lot more about forgiveness because I'm an expert on it because I've had to forgive so many people. I really literally am. I had to really learn a lot about forgiveness. Uh, but the other thing, obviously, that the other gift that God gave us is the Holy Spirit. Okay, and that's, I guess you could say, that's what Pentecost is most famous for, is the Holy Spirit, which it should be. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible, according to Chuck Swindoll, which he's probably right, because that guy knows the Bible well. But listen to this, there's only one, the promise of the Father. Only one, and that's the Holy Spirit. The promise. Now, when you think about Spirit... Oh, I was hearing somebody talking about when, when they were a child, the church they went to, they didn't use the term Holy Spirit. They used the term Holy Ghost. Y'all know that term. I love that term. I like Holy Ghost better than Holy Spirit myself. But he was saying, as a child, ghosts were a negative thing. So he really grew up struggling with this Holy Ghost person because it was negative. You know, that's just a lot of problems with, with communication, aren't they, with words. You know, in some cultures, to, we were talking about this yesterday, like in prison, if you go to a prisoner and talk to prisoners and you start talking about God as a father, that can be an issue there because most of these people who were in jail had terrible fathers. Uh, and so you're talking about a father, and they're talking, in their mind, this abusive person comes, comes to mind. Isn't that amazing how words have so much power and communicate different things to different people? Because to me, spirit is a little bit more spookier than ghost. Because I'm kind of convinced there's no such thing as a ghost in that sense. But spirits is another deal. There are definitely spirits around. You know, I, I never th- thought, you know, about a ghost of a person. I've thought about these demon spirits. 
That's what scared me. That's why I think I like Holy Ghost better. But I'm going to stick with Holy Spirit just so y'all will be okay. Just in case you're scared of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to mess you up and you grow up. But, uh, but, but when we talk about, think about the human spirit. When we talk about the, hum, the human spirit, we're talking about the essence of who a person is. It, it, the, and biblically, that's the essence of who a person is. It's their real self. It's the seed of their personality, of, of, of their emotions. It's, it's the seed of everything they are. Okay, now with that in mind, let's think about what the Father gave us, His Spirit. He gave us the essence of who He is. He gave us the seat, the very center of His personality. That's what the Holy Spirit is, who the Holy Spirit is. That's When you begin to think about how powerful, when you think about it in those terms you realize the Holy Spirit is really one of the most magnificent because He is everything that God is. He is everything. When the Bible says God is love, the Holy Spirit is love. He's the very essence of that love. And so when we begin to think about this gift that God has given us, it's just flat amazing. The Holy Spirit really is everything that God is. And He's the most precious gift and He's the most wonderful person that there is on earth because God the Father and Jesus Christ are in heaven but God gave us the essence of who he is now the Bible uses a lot of terms actually because God's big right and his spirit is huge so the Bible uses lots of metaphors and symbols to communicate who the Holy Spirit is like in Acts 2 the most two most famous uh, metaphors or symbols for the Holy Spirit would be Holy Spirit fire, right? Or the wind. That's another famous thing. The wine of the Spirit, right? That's another way. The oil, that's another way. He's called the comforter, right? He's called the helper. He's called the teacher. See, the Bible uses many, many ways to describe this person because no one way is enough. You can't describe him enough. There's no one word that would ever describe him. Are y'all following this? We're talking about the Holy Spirit, okay? We're talking about this precious gift that's being... And here's the reason, because we need to fall in love with this person of the Spirit. And we we need to have more honor for this person of the Spirit. And we need to embrace what this person's doing more and more. We need to seek Him out and listen to Him more and more. That's what Pentecost does for us. Well, one of the most amazing and the most, biblically, the most symbol that's used the most for the Holy Spirit is actually water. That's the most symbol. Listen to this, that what Jesus said in... Are y'all good? John 7, 38. We're talking about Pentecost today, right? He who believes in me... This is what Jesus was saying. John 7, verse 38. This is a famous scripture. As the scripture has said, out of his heart... Some versions use belly. Out of his heart will flow rivers... Of living water, rivers of living water. And then the next verse he said, This he spoke of the Spirit. And so here's this this, this picture of these rivers of living water that can flow out of a person who's really come in to this encounter and this experience at Pentecost. 
that because he comes into a person and lives in them and he, then he comes on a person and out of us and in us are rivers, literal spiritual rivers are in each one of us. Everybody in this room, if you're a believer in Christ, there's rivers in you. You're bigger on the inside than you're on the outside. You have something greater in you than, than us out here. It really, you really do. And so we had to come into contact. You know, this is the thing, okay? If you get in contact with the Spirit of God in you, that's the first place. Then you can get in contact with the Spirit of God out here. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Then you can begin to discern what's going on around you. Then you can begin to connect with what God's doing in the earth. Then you can, you can sense what God's doing because you've learned how to sense it on the inside. A lot of people try to start out here. It's not out there. Here's an interesting thing. In the New Testament, when it comes to, to the Spirit of the Lord and the move of the Lord, they never use the word filling. That word is not in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? And we're so feeling driven. And feelings are great, but when it comes to that, feelings are not the main thing. It's perceiving. It's discerning. It's seeing. It's hearing. Sometimes there's feelings associated with that, and sometimes they're not. Are y'all good? Y'all just sitting there. But I'll tell you something. That's, that's an important point in your life. Because a lot of people can feel the Spirit in a place and get touched like in a worship service or something. But they can't discern it in their everyday life. They can't discern Him at work the next day. They can't discern what God's doing. They can't connect with God there. They're overwhelmed in life because they haven't learned how to discern in here. Okay, I'm I'm glad y'all got that. Well, think about water, for instance. Here's some, I was thinking about water. What, this is a, why the Bible uses it. Water is essential to life, correct? We can't live without water. It's essential to life. Water's refreshing. Water's renewing. Uh, the majority of power that's generated in the world is by water. Every nuclear plant there is, every coal plant, every, every uh, gas-fired plant that produces electricity uses water. Y'all didn't know that, did you? A lot of people think, you know, have you ever thought about why all these power plants are built on bodies of water? Have y'all ever thought about that? Because water, this is how they create power. They create steam. That's where power comes in. Steam turns a turbine. Turbine runs a generator. Generator makes electricity. And so the nuclear plant just, just causes, makes steam. The coal fire plant makes steam. That's why they call that one plant down here Marshall Steam Station, not Marshall Coal Station. I'm giving you all some technical stuff here. Okay? I just want you to know, though, that, that that's why the Bible uses water as a symbol because that's how power is generated. Uh, commerce, uh, the oceans, big ships that carry cargo, big ships that carry oil all over the earth, big, huge rivers like the Mississippi River are big in, in transporting and commerce and, f- and affect the economies of the world, right? Uh, food production, water is used in food. We're made up of how much percentage of water? A, bun- a high percentage of water, we're made up of it. A high percentage of our life, we sh- it should be made up of the Holy Spirit. See, all that, God's trying to tell us something. God had a plan. It, it wasn't by accident that he, t- he talked about rivers and, uh, and fountains and pools. 
You know, that was no accident in God's heart because he was trying to communicate to something to humanity. I'm going to give you something. That's, I'm going to give you myself. And it's going to be like water to you. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. Oh, recreation is another thing, right? Water, water is a big part of recreation. God loves recreation. He loves us to be refreshed and renewed. He loves us to have, have moments of, of relaxation. And water is a big part of that in our world. Uh, amen. All right. So, y'all good? Woo, Lord, give us a hunger for the Holy Spirit. So I wanted to share a couple of few things, a few of my personal, this is more like testimony, revelations of the Holy Spirit that the Lord's given me over the years that have been very impacted in my life. And so probably, you know, let me just start. Uh, let me read John nineteen thirty three through 34. Y'all want to hear this? This is an impartation. If you will receive this, you might get an impartation off of this. Uh, but when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, this is Jesus on the cross, they did not break his legs. Oh, I can't help but see in this picture of Jesus on the cross. Okay? This is a terrible picture. It's a parking lot. Because if you go to Golgotha now, there's a parking lot there. There's a bus station there. Seriously, it's there. It's a, actually an Arab bus station, a Muslim bus station. Somehow, I just don't think God is bothered by that, though. I just somehow think He's got a plan. Like, they think, they're, they think they've taken over this spot. Actually, I'm going to trick them. I'm going to get them. They're going to be tricked. They think they've done messed up this Golgotha place. But there really is a literal bus station there. It's kind of funny. Um, I think a lot of people are, are distressed by that. Um, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear... And immediately, blood and water came out of Jesus' side. This happened to me a long, it's been many years ago, but right in church and worship one Sunday, I had a vision. This is the most beautiful vision. I had the vision of Jesus on the cross. And I saw a Roman soldier walk up to him and stick a spear in his side. And I saw water and blood gush out of his side, just like what it was said there. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. And I'll never forget it. He said, the headwaters of the river of life was released into the earth that day. The headwaters. The headwaters came out of him. The headwaters came out of Jesus. That's a river of grace. That's exactly what that is. And that... That revelation began to shift my life. That's when we begin to really come into understanding what grace really, really is. And what being in Christ really is. What Christ in you really is. It all began out of one little vision of seeing. Well, that wasn't a little vision for me because that vision lives on in my heart. It was the first river that I really saw in in a very subjective, experiential way. And that really changed my life. And it can change your life today. When we begin to see that the headwaters, the headwaters, the headwaters, everything originated in Him. And He began to release. That was the finished work of the cross. That was a river that flows in the earth today that we can tap into, that we can drink from and begin to know Him and know what grace is, know what the finished work of the cross is and what it really means. Are you, is, is anybody with me on this? You know, if you don't really, if you don't get that, that's where you go get it at. 
you begin to believe that and you begin to tap into that river. And actually, that river's inside of you now. Because rivers are going to flow out of you. That river's in you already. Whether you're walking in there or not, it's in you. Isn't that beautiful? All right, here's the next one. Oh, Lord, Revelations 22.1, which actually mentions a river. This is what I call the river of the Father's heart. This is at the end of the Bible. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Isn't that beautiful proceeding? So you see, see the Holy Spirit is a river, and the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God, the rule of God, because it's coming from the throne of God. Are you getting this? They're vitally connected. They're one together. Listen, y'all, the Holy Spirit is not somebody. He's not somebody we can optionally decide if we're going to listen to Him. It says it comes from the throne of God. The Holy Spirit comes from the throne of the Father. Are you getting that? He's not something, oh, well, I don't like that. No, he's, that's the kingdom. That's the king. That's God, the Father over everything. That spirit's coming out of him, coming out of his throne. And it says it's of Christ, of him. In other words, it's part of who Christ is. It's a part of what Christ brings to the earth. And, it's, and I think it also speaks of humility. You know, in other words, you've got to step down out of your head into your heart to really tap into this river. Are y'all hearing this? This is what I always used to tell people. There's not a river on earth that you step up to get into. You step down to get into the water, right? You don't step up to get into a river. You step down. And that really speaks of what we have to do if we're going to really experience the Spirit of the Lord. We've got to humble ourselves. We've got to, we've got to step away from what our head tells us and begin to tap into our hearts. Are y'all following me? Can I tell you this little story? It's kind of like, kind of about that. This is hilarious. So we were going to Israel, and we fly from Munich, no, from, from Charlotte to Munich, Germany. Then you get out of the airplane and have a couple-hour layover in Munich, uh, which is, you know, a pretty nice airport, but there weren't many people in there because it was early in the morning. Uh, and so we were in there, and... Uh, you know, waiting, you couldn't get back there to where, you know, you go through the, the um, security, you know, where they check you out. And i tell you what, man, the, the security at Charlotte Airport is worse than any place I've ever been. <laughs> you know, it's good. I, I couldn't believe how easy it was to walk into Israel. I thought they'd hold guns to your head and interrogate you. I mean, it was really easy. You didn't even have to take your shoes off. You just walk in there, but I'm sure they already knew who's coming, though. <laughs> right? <laughs> those people are not stupid. Anyways, there was these uh, black people in there, and us, and that was about it at the time, sitting around, and there were four black people. And it was kinda, I thought they were kind of odd. There were two ladies that were dressed, you know, like any normal person would dress. And there was a black man who was standing by his far and here I am from Marlin. He was just standing there, and he was dressed in a, in a suit. And then there was this other lady who was dressed like she's going to a party. She had sunglasses on. They had all these designs on them. She had this dress. It was a party dress, a prom dress. Yeah, it was crazy. So, you know, you're just sitting there and thinking, that's pretty interesting. I wonder what that's all about. 
So I walked over there and spoke to the two normal people, the two normal women. They would hardly even speak to me. But the one in the prom dress started talking to me. She said, are you from the United States? I said, yeah. She said, uh, I can tell you must be from the southern part of the United States. Your voice gives it away. That's what she said. I said, yeah, I am. And I asked her where she was from, and she told me uh, it's a small African nation, Swahili land. Swaziland. That's, that's where she was from, Swaziland. And she told me her name. I couldn't pronounce. She said, you can't pronounce it. So, you know, we sort of, we chit-chatted a little bit. Then Becky walked over there, and I introduced Becky to her, and somehow she got on the subject of marriage. And she said, you know, I'm trying to decide who to marry, right? And she actually showed us three pictures of three men. I'm serious, three men. One of them was a guy from India who looked like a movie star. I mean, he looked like, dude, he's a movie star. The other guy was, he looked like a diplomat. I mean, he looked like a very, very handsome man, but he looked like a very, you know, governmental official guy. Then the other guy looked like the dude from the HUD. <laughs> Literally, it was hilarious. And she was saying, huh? how do you know? How do you know who to marry? And we said, well, you got to go with your heart, not your head. And she said, from your heart? Huh. I hadn't thought, thought about that. Your heart, your, not your head, and peace. Let God's peace rule in your heart. That's what we told her. She thanked us. We went on in. Yeah, oh, she wanted to tell us which one. Yeah. Well, we can't tell you that. Because she was asking us how long we'd been married. Well, I guess she figured we knew how to do this thing. I didn't tell her. I just fell into... I, like, I was leaning on the right door. That's what Bob Jones said about his prophetic anointing. That he got. I just happened to be leaning on the right door, and God opened it, and I fell into it. That's sort of how I got married. I fell into it. It was good, though. It was a good falling into. So we didn't tell her, but, hey, when we got to the airport, it turns out she's the princess of that nation. Isn't that crazy? So, you know, you always hear these famous preachers talking about they have counseled government. Daggone, we did it. We have now can officially say we have given counsel to a real princess. I looked her up on the internet, and there she is. She's the princess of this nation. She's the firstborn daughter of the king and the queen of this nation. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. But I think that thing about your heart and about the peace of God got to her. I th- you could tell it really set her, you could see her wheels turning. She hadn't really thought about that because I think probably her family wanted her to marry the diplomat guy. You know, that would sort of go with the royalty. Definitely not the guy in the hood. That's where her heart was. <laughs> We've probably got that woman in so much trouble. Woo! If you hear about something that happened over there, about a marriage, <laughs> she didn't take our, she didn't take our, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so anyways, thank you, Lord. That's the Holy Ghost River. I don't know why I was telling you all that. It's about your heart. Get to your heart. Let me read. i got to hurry up. I'm going to finish it. I want to talk about, just a second, the river of identity. This is powerful. John 14, 8 through 9. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. That question, every human being on this planet, whether they are aware or not, are asking that question. You may not be in touch with that question, 
You might not ever cross your mind, but deep down in your soul, there's this question about your Creator. There's this question about your, your Father. And Philip said, Philip said just, if you will just, Jesus, if you'll just show us Him, that will be enough. That will take care of everything in life. He was telling the truth. That's the answer for everything. Once we begin to see the Father, then you can begin to truly know yourself. You will never know yourself, your true self, your true identity is impossible to find and impossible to discover without knowing the identity of the Father. And the more you know God as your Father, the more you're going to begin to know yourself. The, 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 the one follows the other. Understanding who you are, understanding your identity, understanding your purpose, understanding your destiny, your calling, all of that follows having this revelation of the Father. That's a river. That's a Holy Ghost. I could have used, you know, the Abba, Father, uh, uh, Romans 8, and Galatians, was it Galatians 5, 5 or 4, where he talks about all that. That's, it's all the same thing, but this, I just wanted to throw this in. Jesus said to him, have I, not, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Isn't that a powerful statement? Have you not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? You see, when we think about Jesus, that was one of his primary purposes on the earth is to come to the earth and say, everybody thinks God is like this. This is how they think God is. They think he's mean. They think he kills people. They think he's a destructive God. They think he's angry and wrathful. I'm here to tell you, this is what God's like. This is God. This is the Father. When you see me, you see love, you see compassion, you see truth. That was one of his great purposes is to get it. And, we, and there's people that are to this day think God's mad at everybody. They haven't even read that. They haven't caught that. God's not mad at the person in this room. God's in love with everybody in this room dearly. He really is. And that's what that river of identity does. The identity of God and your identity. You begin, you begin to see God differently. You begin to learn how to know God differently. That's the Holy Spirit at work. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. He, he woos you. He pulls you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into us. You can't even love God without the Holy Spirit. You can't even love him. You can't even have an affection to him. You can't even have a care about him without the Holy Spirit. He does that for you. He causes you to start liking God and to be attracted to God and pay attention to God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what he yearns to do in people. He yearns to do that in us. That's why we had to chop off the head in one sense and bow to our heart because in our heart there's this yearning. The hardest sinner there is, there's a yearning deep down inside of them. A deep yearning. Mercy, Lord. Show us the Father. The next one is the river of the resting dove or the river of the peace of God. That Remember a few weeks ago? You might not remember. I remember. When I preached that little bit of a message about Holy Spirit coming on Jesus and resting on His shoulder. Remember that? When Jesus was baptized in Mark 1, 9 through 11, I'm not going to read it because there's too much fascination in that, those scriptures for me. But I love that. That's a river of learning how to allow the Holy Spirit to rest in your life and learn how to walk with Him. Learn what 
pleases Him. Learn what displeases Him. Learn how to flow with Him and adjust with Him. Learn how to get in your bed at night and say, I give you my night. I give you my night. I give you my night, Holy Spirit. Do what you will. Wake up in the morning. I give you my day, Holy Spirit. You have my day. Guide me, lead me. That's the Holy Spirit as a dove. And that's something God wants to teach us to how to walk with Him, to walk in the Spirit, to walk with the Spirit, allowing Him to do that. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's not a one-day deal. That's, not, you don't, that's, a, that's a lifetime of learning. But I'll tell you something. It's, it's something that God's been doing for a few years uh, with many people that I know, with me. It's teaching me how to walk in peace, teaching me how to let His presence rest on me. And when I start feeling anxious about something or stirred up about something or not liking something, it's going back to what he, what is he doing then? Well, I happen to be liking that, Byron. Why aren't you liking it? You know, okay, I'm liking it. Somewhere you're going to change my mind. I'm going to trust that. But right now I'm not liking it. But I'm going to like it because you like it. If you like it, I like it. And that's really what we have to do. We really have to let him, we have to like what he likes. We really do. And if you want to walk in the Spirit, if you want to be connected with Him, learn, learn, ask Him, Holy Spirit, come on me as a dove. Teach me how to walk where the dove can rest and not be stirred up on me. And when you are stirred up, oh, I messed up. Okay, we're good. I'm back. <laughs> it's not that He ever left, but it, the feelings of it, the sense of it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because God doesn't forsake us. But we can walk out our Christian life without Him. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to do that. Woo, Lord help. Okay, last one. I'm going to be done at 12. Are y'all happy about that? Are you sad? Are you indifferent? Linda again said it's just indifferent. <laughs> the, the last one's the river of truth. The river of truth. Now, this is really important. Uh, you know, <clears throat> The last time I, you know, Bob Jones, the prophet Bob Jones, not Bob Jones University, just to make sure, because <laughs> I've told people about Bob Jones. They thought I was talking about Bob Jones University. <laughs> Those are two different worlds. <laughs> They're great worlds. I mean, I, uh, I honor Bob Jones University world. That just wasn't the world that God put me in, okay? He put me in the Bob Jones, the prophet world, okay? <laughs> so I honor the world I'm in and live in that world and, you know, get some good stuff from that other world, but that's not my world, you know. But this is what the very last thing Bob Jones said to Becky and I. He was on his deathbed. He was going to die in a few days. He told me three things. The very last thing he said to me as we were walking out of the room, he looked at me and said, what the church needs now is the spirit of truth. Like, wow, what the church needs now is the spirit of truth. Think about it. Think about the world we're in now. Think about all the confusion, all the division that's in our world now. It was a prophetic word. You know, because what, that's the only thing, that, that was what the other thing the Lord told me at the, at the Holocaust Museum is forgiveness and truth. Because people were not telling the truth. The truth was not revealed what was happening in Nazi Germany. Lies were being given. People, now today it would be harder to do with where we live in, but there's ways of twisting the truth. Read the social media if you don't believe that. The truth is twisted and perverted. And there's people who have platforms that should never have a platform. 
Okay, there's people speaking stuff. They should have never, people should not be listening to those voices. Yet you, exactly, you need the Holy Spirit to help you discern stuff. Because there's a lot of stuff that's said now. You can get information from all over everywhere that sounds right, but there's a lie in it. There's a seed of destruction in it. If we've ever had the knowledge, the, 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 the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we have it now, right? It's, it's right there, right here on our little devices. We're carrying it around with us, aren't we? But, I, but that's not the only thing. I just wanted to read this, this and I'll end. I just want to tell you that. I think most... Oh, I read a statistic that said 65% of Americans believe uh, the so- social media is toxic. But then it says 60% of Americans use social media. Right? There's great stuff out there too, by the way. It's not all bad. It's just we just need to learn how to take care of ourselves. We need to learn how to close the door, right? What our eyes are seeing, our ears are hearing, and what we're letting in. We just need to learn what this is not. I don't receive that. I'm not. That's not mine. Forget that. All right. I'm just going to get off that old soapbox. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So that's one of the things the Holy Spirit wants to do for us. He wants to guide us. He's like a guide. Like, I'm going to take you somewhere that you can't, you can't go there without me. You need a guide. Like, if you went into to the jungle somewhere, you would definitely want a guide with you. Or if you went out to the, to the west somewhere in the wilderness, you would want a guide, right? You would want somebody who knew where to go and where not to go, Right? You wouldn't want to go into a neighborhood that you shouldn't go into. You need somebody to tell you, don't go there. They're not. I remember one time years ago, I was jogging back in the day when I jogged. This was down in Charlotte. And the kids were practicing baseball. So I thought, I'm going to go for a run instead of just sitting here bored. So I took off running. I was running in this neighborhood near where the baseball practice field was. And this car pulls up to me and stopped the black person in the car. And she, and she said to me, do you know where you are? That's what she said to him. I said, no, I mean, you know, I'm here. (laughs) She said, you don't belong here. You need to turn around and get out of here right now. This is very unsafe for you. That's a guide. Because it was a, a bad section where white people were not, you know, we don't want white people here. You hear what I'm saying? We need, a, we need that guide in our life. We need that person of the Holy Spirit to guide us, not, not just about neighborhoods, but in life, to know where to go and not go. Isn't that a gift from God that God has gifted us with a guide? We just need to let Him guide us. We just need to say, yeah, you're my guide today. I'm going to let you guide me through this day. Are you okay? All right, listen to this. For He will not speak of His own initiative. He speaks. If you're going to hear God, He's going to speak through the Holy Spirit's mouth. He's God's mouthpiece to you. People, you hear what I'm telling you? We want to hear from God, right? Everybody wants to hear God's voice. We want to hear Him talk to us. Well, it's the Holy Spirit is the one who does the talking. That's why we honor Him and say yes to Him. Because if we're not dishonoring Him, we're not going to be hearing a whole lot. Except you're dishonoring me. Okay, and he will disclose to you, oh, what is to come. Disclose means reveal. Anybody want to get some revelation about the future? About your future? About your children's future? About decisions you need to make? 
I mean, there, there is this thing in the Holy Spirit's heart to want to tell people about the future. He, he really wants to start talking to people about the future, about things that are, are on the horizon before they get here. So when Jesus said, I've told you these things, this is John 14, 29, I've told you these things before they happen so you might believe. In other words, I'm going to start beginning to tell you things that are going to happen, events situations in the world we can tap into this listen to this river situations in the world good and bad situations that we can begin to tap into before they ever happen okay not so we can do you know circle the wagons run to the mountains get your beans and bread and and the you know what I'm saying? Not He didn't say it's so that you will have faith at that moment and you can believe at that moment because you're hearing something. You're hearing the God say, I can guide you through this time. It really is good. And God wants to do that for us. That's what He does. And I know there's a lot of people in this room who have had visions and stuff about future things that have happened. I mean, future... I remember I had a, a, a vision about Wachovia Bank one time. I'm dumb, man. I saw it burning down. That was, and it did. It had a financial collapse. And, and I didn't know what it meant, so I called some prophetic friends like, oh, you're getting that too. That bank's fixed. These were more mature people. That bank's fixing to collapse. Like, seriously? That's my bank. There's nothing wrong with that bank. I thought it was literal, like that thing's going to burn down. No, it was, a, it was a financial burning down. It was an economic burn down. Now, here's another powerful vision. I had a vision one time where I saw people walking with their cars had run out of gas. I literally saw it, and I was, there was a hurricane that came a few years ago. I think it was 2008. And I was driving down Interstate 77 one night, and I literally saw a man walking up the exit with a gas can in his hand with his car down there because there was no gas around. There was only a couple places in Mooresville that you could buy. I thought, wow, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a prophet. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start getting prophetic stuff about the future. i got a whole new ministry I'm going to start here. <laughs> it wasn't about that. It was about this. It was about the Holy Spirit wanting to talk to you and tell you things. So you'll know what to do. So you can have faith in those moments. So you'll know how to treat yourself and treat your family and people around you and how to help them through that time and be a voice for Him. Isn't that amazing that the Lord does stuff like that? And it says, He will glorify me, for, for He will take of mine. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He will take of mine. This is Jesus. The Holy Spirit will take of Jesus, and He will reveal it to you. That's just beautiful. All things that the Father has are mine. Isn't that a powerful statement? All things, it's Jesus, all things that the Father has belong to me. That's what Jesus said. All things. Everything the Father has has been invested in Jesus. Therefore, I said, he takes a mind and will disclose it to you. And that's what the Holy Spirit, those are some of the revelations that God, not all of them, but some of them. So, amen? Amen. So let's just stand up. I'm praying for impartation. I think the main impartation I would like for us to have today is that we would fall in love with the Holy Spirit. I think if we just fell in love with him and suddenly we had this love for this, for this invisible person, for this spirit.
that we would suddenly have this love for Him and this desire for Him and this care about what He's doing and what He's thinking. If we just had that, forget the future, forget all these other things. If we just got that one little piece, that one little thing, just a love for Him, that we would love Him more than we love us. We would love Him more than we love our opinion and love our, our theology or love all the things that we love dearly, which are not bad things, but if we could just love Him a little bit more, where we would say, I'm going to honor you even though you are defiling everything that I've believed about you. You have just ruined it. You've, have sh- you know, you've kicked it to the curb. But I'm still going to love you because I know you're lovable. Lord, we just ask you to do that today. Lord, we ask you to make us like those people on the day of Pentecost. They were just, Peter was just a messed up soul. Even though he spent three years with Jesus, he, he was still a disaster because he didn't have the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit came, everything changed in that man. Everything that Jesus said began to work in his life in a real way. That's what we're asking for. Yeah, yeah. Lord, cause us to fall in love with the Holy Spirit. Cause us to be Holy Spirit people. Say, Lord, I want to be a Holy Spirit person. Just say, I want to be that. I'm not always that, but I want to. I ask you to make me into a Holy Spirit person. Let Pentecost burn in my heart, not just today, but let it be my life. That I would live a life of Pentecost, Lord. And that the fire of God would come into my life. And the wind of God, the water of God, the oil of God, the wine of God, the helper. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me for quenching you and grieving you. I just ask you, Lord, to do that, Father. And I thank you for that. Mercy, Lord. Just invite the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Just say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me with yourself. Fill me with yourself. Fill me with yourself. Woo, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just let the Holy Spirit have His way in your life. Commit yourself to Him today. Because He's already committed Himself to you. Sing this out together. We want you come yeah. and consume. Oh Lord, come and consume God. All we are. We give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. Oh, oh we want you. Won't you come and consume God? All we are. We give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. All the volunteers that came morally, why don't you guys come over here? We'll anoint you with oil real quick. Because this is not an easy job. But the Lord can give you the grace and the power.